0: And now, from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey.
1: British Columbia and welcome from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival. I'm Tony Gismondi with my co host Casey Wilson. This is our special two hour edition of the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. We're live on the floor of the wine. The wine festival, in fact, uh, we're right beside the famous Eiffel Tower in the French section They're the theme region this year at the festival. Coming up on this hour, uh, we're going to be joined by Christian Witt from Schloss Johannesburg. We're going to talk about German wine for a change. It's going to be a lot of fun. Probably Riesling will be in that conversation, followed by a chat with Gian Battos from Mianetto Winery. We'll be talking about sparkling wine and uh, some pretty hip red wines coming out of, uh, out of t- Italy. And then Elsa McDonald will join us to talk about uh, the Naramata Bench Jewel, Laughing Stock Vineyards. But coming up next, winemaker Derek Concanton joins us. Dark Horse Vineyard is the theme. Meritage will be the wine. It's a special two-hour edition of the BC Food and Wine Radio, live from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival. And we'll be
0: right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The
2: B.C. wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save-On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of B.C. VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards, plus there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save-On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. After Isidore Boucherie settled in West Bank, he soon became known far and wide as the Modest Butcher. A man of infinite charm, disarming good looks, and the best food and wine in the valley. And if Izzy was here today, what do you think he'd have to say about his legacy, Chef Dan? You can't think well, love well, or sleep well if you haven't dined well. Celebrate the sacred Okanagan institution of dining with reckless abandon at the Modest Butcher. Opening soon at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery.
3: Discover a true wellness-centered oasis in the heart of Canada's only desert at Spirit Ridge Resort in Asoyuz. Wake up to stunning views from your condo, suite, or villa. Enjoy modern vineyard cuisine inspired by Indigenous history and culture at the bear, the fish, the root, and the berry. Tour and taste at award-winning ink meep cellars, or just relax and rejuvenate at their on-site spa. Spirit Ridge, an experience like none other. Part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Check online for spring break packages. Visit spiritridge.ca.
0: And now, from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi.
4: I'm Casey Wilson.
1: Uh, We're live from the floor of the Vancouver International uh, Wine Festival. Year 42, France is the theme. Uh, So there's a lot of talk about terroir, which is interesting because most of the world is discovering their terroir outside of France and finding out that probably it's pretty good. Our next guest is just one of those people, Derek uh, Con Cannon, he's the Dark Horse Estate Winery winemaker. Derek, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Good to have you here. Uh, does terroir scare you? Do you embrace it? Do you have it? Do you find it? To, how, how do you deal with that term?
5: Well, to me, terroir is just where you're growing the grapes, right? Yeah. yeah. And you show that expression of the fruit, especially with Dark Horse. It's a single 23 acre vineyard. On the, we were the first sub-appellation, part of the first subappalachian subappellation yeah, of so the Golden Mile bench. bench. Yeah. So we're very unique. So our terroir is very unique, and it's, it expresses in the glass. Yeah. Right? So,
1: and it's if I can use the term, it's almost like, sort of like a Bordelaise terroir in some ways, rocky it, and.
5: It's rocky. It's funny when you break a, a fence post with uh, doing farming activities. Yeah. Usually you have to dig a really big hole to put that little post back in because of all the rocks. Yeah. You know, the sandy loam that we have. Yeah. On the. the the site yeah and did you
4: have to remove rocks from the property
5: yeah so the the vineyard goes back it's 23 acres it's about 65 meters above the valley floor has a really nice slope looking at uh, Soyuz Lake and then what happens with with it when we first planted it was planted back in the 92 era when we switched over to a lot of the vinifera's and there's a lot of rocks to remove. Uh, tilling the soil isn't very uh, conducive Useful. with the rocks. It just sort no. of moves them up. <laughs> it moves them up, and you, you just end up with more work.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's it's a great site though for people. Like a couple of things that I like about that site is you get the you get the early morning sun, yep. which is uh, gentle, shall we say, or
5: it's not as intense.
1: Yeah and then late in the day the sun disappears over the mountain and you have a shadow effect or so you don't bake uh, all into those late hours
5: no it's a it's one of those unique sites that for whatever reason the way that the glacier came down through the valley left us all these rocks and left the, the, the shape of it. Like you say, you get the sun in the morning, it's a nice moderate heat, mm-hmm. and then as you get to the mid-afternoon, it starts to dissipate as it goes past the mountains, calms down, so mm. gives us the ability to grow Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Sangiovese. Uh, yeah. We have Merlot, Cab Sauve, Cab Franc on the vineyard. So yeah. That
4: is just crazy that you can grow that many grapes. It, different varieties.
5: Out of all the vineyard sites that I've seen, is this is one of the most unique ones that oh. allows us to grow. We had Riesling and Pinot Blanc there as well.
1: Plus, you don't have any rules because if there was rules like hey, you can only grow Cabernet here, then you that you'd be stuck. Yeah. But but we have the freedom. Yeah, so far, we're very we fortunate. So far we have the freedom. Sometimes we strangle ourselves uh, down the road, but uh, yeah. Okay, so Dark Horse Vineyard. Uh, by the way, new packaging, folks. If you know the wine, uh, it's pretty snappy now. The way this label, this is sort of half black, half silver, with the horse head, and looks really cool. It does. You brought the 2016,
5: 2016 uh, Meritage.
1: Meritage. Yeah. So tell us about the wine. What's What's the blend here? What's the What's predominating? And,
5: So for us, for Meritage, it's one of those ones that I like to make. I call it, it, it's when you get the artistry of winemaking comes in because there's a lot of different combinations of blends that you can make. Mm -hmm. So for Dark Horse, we have Merlot, Cap Sov, and Cap Franc on the site. So we have those three varieties, and it's a matter of finding the right balance between the three of them. Mm -hmm. And Uh, what
4: is the right balance in that?
5: It varies every year. Mm -hmm. This year, the 2016, was uh, 65% Merlot. 30% uh, Cab Sauve, and then 5% Cab Fron.
4: So do you sit around a table with the viticulturist, the owner, a group of people, and decide on...?
5: Generally, we would make the blend in the winery. I have my assistant winemaker, and I'd go over it back and forth. You take it home, you show your wife... Ah. does it? Does, does it? Does, what oh do you my think? God. How does that, it go with the food?
1: That's yeah. the t- that's the test. That's the test. That's what I've been failing to do. Take it home and show it to my wife and say, yes. "What do you think of this wine?" Oh, yeah. I believe oh that. Oh my God! I've yeah. got to do that. So it's one of those yeah.
5: ones where it's a lot of trials. It takes time to come up with the right blend, and it, it, sometimes when you think you go, "I got a A wine and an A wine," you put them together, they don't sometimes don't match. So you have to try to find, pick the right barrel that goes with the next barrel. So, mm-hmm. so
4: and that really must impact on the cost of the wine depending on the cost of that juice or do you you don't think about that?
5: Uh, uh, There's impacts there but for Dark Horse being a single vineyard and being a sort of premium tier Mm -hmm. uh, we'll go hand select each barrel so I'm not too concerned myself Mm. with that but it's more about trying to find the best wine that we can make out of those resources
1: there's people who count those things those dollars we don't worry about those guys too much no No. (laughs) uh okay so uh i've been tasting the wine actually it's very it's actually a lovely wine i'm a big fan of 2016 and i'm still not sure what it is why it is uh, so special to me or why i like 16 i think the wines are fresher cooler more interesting, but I'm not sure what it is, but if you look say, at, compared to 14, 15. Or or 15
5: was, like, such a warm year, right? Yeah. You we were super hot. Yeah. Um, when you get into 16, a little bit cooler. You can call it a little bit more, I don't know if you can call it more elegant or more in balance mm-hmm. yes. for the wine and for the structure. You mm-hmm. get your phenolic ripeness and your fruit ripeness happen at the same time, which yeah. is key, which is sometimes I think we struggle a little bit by how hot we can be, and the sugar shoots up, and you're not getting the flavors and the phenolic ripeness that you you want at the same time.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, We're speaking with Derek Concan, and he's a winemaker at Dark Horse Estate Winery in the South Okanagan, uh, and we're tasting the 2016 Dark Horse Meritage, which is uh, sliding down. But actually, this wine, it's well-balanced, and I would guess that uh, it's probably got five to seven years before it really hits its stride anyway, and... Yeah. Which seems, I know people get freaked out by that, but it seems to me very logical that this, this wine would age well and, and it, get better.
5: It should. Yeah. With the oak and the structure and the, the profile there, yeah, it's one to, to lay down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you
1: grew up in Ontario? Correct. Yeah. And how did you make your way to British Columbia? How did that all happen?
5: Uh, I was did uh, my undergrad degree at Brock University in the oenology Viticulture Program. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, smart or foolish enough to stay on. Did my graduate degree in Brock University in ice wine fermentation. And then I was working at Inneskillen of all places yeah. part-time. And then there was a job opportunity out west with the same company. And I put in. And you said, okay. I'll and then they moved me out. And I've yeah. been here for 14 years now. Wow. So, yeah. And have you made much ice wine out here? I've made a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like
4: making ice wine?
5: It's one of those love-hate relationships when you're making ice wine. That It's early in the morning. It's cold. Everything's sticky. Yeah. But the resultant product is lovely. So it's like, it's a fine balance. Um, And we do... Like Canada does such a great job with ice wine, and it's shown mm-hmm. well on the world market. So
1: not easy to ferment. What, what did you learn in, in all your studies of fermenting ice wine? Um,
5: I actually developed a protocol how to rehydrate the yeast in a more efficient manner that will lead to a quicker, ferment, quicker cleaner fermentation. Mm. And so, as opposed to the month to two months that your stories of, mm-hmm. I have it down to about seven to ten days. Mm. Wow, so. that sounds good to me. I like that.
1: Uh, sometimes people discount the amount of science that goes on in wine, but it's...
4: I think it's, people don't even think about the
5: science that goes wine. I think, I think wine. wine
1: is kind of like baking. There are some things you have to follow yes. in wine. It's yeah. not all just your heart and your soul.
5: No, totally. It's the we spent... Well, I spent two and a half years just looking at how to rehydrate yeast. <laughs> yeah, so, wow,
1: that must have been exciting. Oh, well, that was super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but
5: it works; it pays out at the end, and then we actually yeah. published the paper for the rest of the industry to use if they so choose. So it's not we didn't keep it a secret.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, that's fantastic. I like that. Uh, so, just for people who don't know, Dark Horse, what there's a few few other wines in the in the range.
5: Yeah, in the portfolio we have yeah. a, a Chardonnay, a yeah. Pinot Noir. We have a single vineyard Cab Franc, and then our Meritage.
1: Yeah, wine. and the wines are available. There's a new. There is actually a, a really uh, fancy tasting center in uh, Penticton. Yeah, the uh, bottom the of the lakeside resort. Yeah, the yeah. Great
5: Estate Store that it's varies various great, wines.
1: Yeah, the Great Estate Store is in the uh, this is the largest wooden structure or something in uh, the south that's in, right in the southern british columbia or whatever it's a beautiful yeah. building anyway it's a great setup if you're in Penticton folks you drop by there you can you can do uh food and wine tastings correct. and ice wine tastings and and uh portfolio tastings so it's kind of nice and you can walk there if you're in town you don't have to do any driving so that's kind of nice
4: i think it's a great idea yeah. to have that kind of a tasting room that's local yeah. enough that you can walk it, over
5: to it and it's a great spot especially in the summertime with the Penticton local market that we have down yes. Main Street so after you do get your groceries and stuff mm-hmm. go buy a bottle of wine go home and make food and have some wine yeah, yeah
1: perfect so Derek will you get out into the tasting room at all or
5: I was out earlier yeah uh, during the trade and tasted some great wines yeah tonight we'll, we'll see how busy it is
1: yeah yeah, it's fun, though, to get out and see what other people are doing. It's
5: a great opportunity to try wines from around the world that you don't have the, the luxury or the exposure or time to go try in one venue. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for sharing this wine with us today. I should mention this is available. $60 is the current uh, retail price. Correct. On the Dark Horse 2016 Meritage. Uh, well, good luck with uh, well. the next vintage is almost around the corner. I know. <laughs> You're blending now, but soon you'll be out in there uh, looking at the buds and worrying about what? Frost, hail, Frost, rain. hail,
5: summer, rain, smoke, yeah. you name it. We're worried about it all. It's farming, yeah. right? So. The, That's
1: right. Yeah, the plague, all of them. Thanks so Good. much. Thanks for Take having care. me. Take care. Yeah, Derek Concanon, he's the chief winemaker over at Dark Horses State Winery in the South Okanagan along the uh, beautiful Golden Mile Bench. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we'll be
0: right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods.
3: The upper bench of B.C. Similkameen Valley. For those in the know, it's a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. And it's here, nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clodusole Winery. It's surrounded by an idyllic organic vineyard using natural ferments and small art artisanal winemaking, they produce elegant and age-worthy wines that reflect their unique land. You can find Clos Soleil wines in fine wine shops and restaurants across the province, or order online at clossoleil.ca.
2: Hi, this is Duncan from Hillside Winery and Bistro. Join us this season for the ultimate Naramata experience. Delight your senses as you sit back and savor our locally inspired food and wine, handcrafted wines made exclusively from Naramata-grown grapes, terroir to table cuisine, and striking views of Okanagan Lake and its surrounding vineyards. It's all right here at Hillside Winery and Bistro.
3: Don't miss their grand reopening the weekend of March 20th. Find out more details at hillsidewinery.ca. Come and get married in the land of Ing at Watermark Beach Resort in Asuyas. Beachfront on Osuyas Lake, Canada's warmest lake. One stop for all your wedding dreams. Gorgeous lakefront suites at Watermark Beach Resort. For you, your family, and your friends. Farm-to-table South Okanagan cuisine. Dining and wining, laughing and celebrating. Deep in wine country. (laughs) Connect today. Weddings at watermarkbeachresort.com.
0: And now, from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival... Anthony Gismondi, and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now here's Anthony and Casey.
1: back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm
4: Casey Wilson. Uh,
1: we're live uh, this evening from the floor of the Vancouver International Wine Festival, uh, the 42nd uh, festival, Casey. That means you've got to be at least 43. I know, Tony. You too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, folks, well, we love coming to the festival because there's so many people we get to talk to. And, and this year we're in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower, which is kind of amazing. It is. Uh, in the French section, France is the theme country this year. And, of course, some would say France is the home of wine or at least the inspiration for a lot of wine. Certainly, it's been the inspiration for a lot of wines uh, made in Canada. Uh, I think and our next guest knows a lot about that, Elsa McDonald. Uh, she's here tonight. We're going to talk about Laughingstock Vineyards, but she's the Director of Wine Education at our Terra Wines uh, of Canada back out of Toronto, but of course the owners of Laughingstock, uh, welcome to the show. Thank
4: and we know much. she knows everything because she's got an MW, a Masters of Wine, and that is yeah. not easy to get. That
1: is uh, about as hard to get. It's harder to get than to be an astronaut. Exactly. There's more <laughs> yeah.
4: astronauts than MWs. Yeah.
1: How did you do that besides just being brilliant?
4: A lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, and, and how do tasting, you make eh? a decision to do that? Because it is... Well, it's like getting a master's degree, but I don't know. To me, it even seems more difficult with the tasting part of it.
6: I think uh, maybe when you start, you don't realize quite what you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. So when you start with the commitment, it's just, you mm-hmm. know, it's another thing that you're going to spend some time doing. And then you get yes. so deep into it for so long. I and mean, You I, can't let go. You have to keep going. Yeah. So. Right.
4: And Would you recommend that people, young people who are interested in wine, look into getting an MW?
6: I would say definitely look into getting some education because i think the more you know about wine the more you enjoy wine the easier it is to bring into your lifestyle and you just have a better life as far as i'm concerned Mm yes uh mw is a really special different thing that suits some people i finished my uh, wset diploma and said that's it i've done enough studying i don't there's no way i'm ever going to think about mw and after a couple years went by i really missed the studying i missed the yeah, well, tasting with people and the, the focus and uh i would visit wineries and it just wasn't as i didn't get as much out of it because i didn't have a reason to ask so many questions so mm-hmm. yes uh, i was driven to it that way i just kind of came to it naturally but uh it's a very personal decision
1: totally it's also uh, it, it's kind of interesting mine Though i think it, it's a lot like that in my the that uh, you start out and you know so much about wine you're going to kill it now you know so much about wine that you know that you don't know anything about exactly. wine that you have to spend your whole lifetime to to assimilate the information required to really know something about wine but but it's fun yeah and it's yeah. it's challenging and it's intellectual and it crosses so many different uh you know uh mediums i think that's what's so much fun about it
6: i think it's quite liberating the day when i figured out that i was never actually going to be able to know everything yeah and that was okay yes (laughs) Yes. (laughs) totally you could know you could know enough to have an opinion you could uh, know enough to
1: even when you think you got it and then all of a sudden somebody shows up from somewhere that you've never heard of before and they know so much about a wine you've never heard anything about and it's i wouldn't say it's frustrating anymore it's interesting so anyway welcome uh, to vancouver you've been working in the room i have yeah i have it was and an uh, uh we we're going to talk about laughing just before we do casey you were
4: yes yeah, so well i'm very curious because you're the director of wine education for a lot of wineries so mm-hmm. how do you divide your time up or what you yeah, and know, who
1: are you educating
4: yeah and what is the strong focus for the company,
6: yeah. So our goal is to um, work with our sales team, and then also work with a lot of our key customers because they are uh, in restaurants, they're in hotels, they are uh, bar managers who are looking after you know junior staff and making sure that they're selling the wine and understanding the wine based on what's in the glass. Yes, and that's really my focus in in education is that they understand. Get, there's lots of people who can explain to them about marketing and programs and limited time offers and those sorts of things, but actually the wine itself and why it matters and yeah. how it stands up against something else, and connecting, food pairing, and yeah, and connecting with people and creating experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's really what we look and- at
1: and uh telling stories yeah really the, the, if you can't tell a story you're you're out to lunch in the wine business today i think you really need that story we're speaking with elsa mcdonald she's a director of wine education at Terra wines and today she's brought a bottle of the 2017 portfolio mm-hmm. uh which is one of the well, probably the, i would say it's a flagship wine from laughingstock vineyards absolutely um, uh, what do you think about bc and you're living in ontario but we seem to have the ability to make these kind of red blends that uh are uh, stunning a lot of the world i think i would say a lot of the wine world the cognoscenti anyways
6: i I think so too and i think when you have something that is a blend of multiple different varieties and you know the okanagan has so many different pockets and uh if you can find the right place to put the right grapes you can really get some uh, exciting and different blends Mm uh that are very unique to the okanagan and Mm -hmm. i think that's very much what you see here
1: uh, well, so Laughingstock, uh, many people know Laughingstock is a Naramata-based winery. This is probably not Naramata-based fruit. It's from down south, but uh, it doesn't bother me at all. In fact, in the whole debate about Naramata, I was I was so frustrated by people who didn't want to have a Naramata uh, sub-GI mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they said, well, some of our fruit doesn't come from Naramata, and I said, well, I don't care. Like yeah. I think it's just fine to... Yeah. Buy fruit from wherever yeah. and make wines.
6: The Merlot in this, actually, quite a bit of that comes from the Bench. Yeah. And then the other varieties, the Cab Sauve and yeah. the Petit Verdot, the Malbec, and the Cab Franc, they come from um, Laughingstock's other vineyard, which is a little bit further south, and the soy is called Perfect Hedge. Mm-hmm. So it is exactly as you... I, I love
1: Naramata. I love that it's in the middle of the valley and it really seems to have this balance, like the Merlot in particular. It's a great spot to grow Merlot yeah. in, and Chardonnay. Yeah. I think because the, it's not super hot and it's not super cool, it's just almost perfect. So Yeah.
6: Just right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what's going on in Laughingstock now? I know that, uh, well, of course, you purchased it. The ends are gone. uh, The winery moves on. You have a great tasting program there and people can drop by and do that. Uh, How how is it developing here?
6: So it's still uh, by appointment only, but you can give us a call and uh, the doors are are certainly open. We welcome people to come in and taste through the portfolio. It's really just making sure that we get the right thing in in mm-hmm. front of people that they're looking for mm-hmm. uh so absolutely the doors are open and uh <clears throat> we still have some of the folks in the tasting room who have been there for a very long, a time, long time and yeah. they really so they know the wines, they know the, and the, the, the stories that you refer yeah to, they have the passion the and the, yeah. yeah and you know it's impressive yeah. still the same packaging like it's beautiful
4: packaging
6: I just love. It. I love the whole story. The yes. whole reference to the you know um, investment world, uh, the ticker tape on the bottles, uh, and we've kept all of that. Yeah. Um, and also, the the whole idea of this blend. There's kind of a parallel to an investment portfolio, which is why they call it portfolio in the first place. If you think about um, uh, when you're investing. You have T-bills, you have cash, you have stocks, you have bonds, you have even art can be part of your collection, and all of those um, individual items have different levels of risk. And when you're looking at a portfolio strategy, it's really to make sure you're managing that risk. And I think looking at these grape varieties and how things ripen a little bit differently every year. It's also managing your risk or managing your quality by being able to blend those. And so it's kind of fun, all those little details that they've brought into the story.
1: One of the things I love about this wine, of course I've been tasting it for, for more than a decade and yeah. you look at the old notes and, and it's right on the label. You can see here that this vintage, the 2017, was picked on the seventh day That's of October. Right. That's right. So you it's can go day. back, you can go back and look at all the portfolios if you keep track and you can see, wow, it was picked on September 21st. It yeah. was picked on November 4th. So you get a really good gauge of, of, uh, what went on in the harvest, just by the picking date that they publish on, it's it's very clever. It and is very few people do that, so I love that signal. Yeah. I know that it's the kind of thing that geeks pay attention to, but it's it's you know it's part of the story of the wine. It's really. It's well, that's I think cool. what's
6: also interesting about these wines is you can you can just uh, buy them, enjoy them, and not think about it too much. But if you look a little bit deeper, there's mm-hmm. more and more depth. There's more and more of a story, whether yeah. it's in the packaging, whether it's in the stories of the vineyards or the wines themselves. And I think that's yeah. rewarding to lots of people.
1: You're situated in Ontario. Tell us, uh, what about buying? What are Canadians doing? They're buying Ontario wines in BC Are they're buying BC wines in Ontario. What, what's going on? It seems still a bit convoluted to me that it's, it's absolutely it's <coughs> convoluted but it's not as yeah. open perhaps as it could be
6: yeah um i think uh, so many of the wines are purchased at the liquor boards and mm-hmm. there's a little bit that's brought in every year but very very little yeah um most of uh this wine is of course sold in bc and to the wine club yeah uh, also through uh alberta but uh, very little makes it east of there yeah
1: which seems odd, because all the other wines of the world f- move freely around Canada, but you, it's pretty hard to you know, buy these wines in Quebec or vice versa. You know, Many Ontario wines should be out here, too, and we don't yeah. see them at all.
6: I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, uh,
1: what are we going to do about that, Elsa? <laughs> yeah,
6: <laughs> let's, let's band like together. Like, I'm done. I, I've, yeah.
1: <laughs> I've been at it for 40 years. I can't make a change, though. <laughs> There's going to be somebody else, I guess, that's going to do it. Uh, listen, great to see you. Are you going to obviously when you get a chance to get out and maybe yeah. experience some of the French wines here? And yeah,
6: absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Recalibrate your palate for a day or two, or yeah, exactly. Well, good luck. Uh, it's always much. good to meet people who educate, and uh, it's great to have Canadian companies now that are concerned enough to educate their people and really sort of lift that bar and move the whole subject forward.
6: I'm very passionate about this idea of wine culture in Canada yeah. Yeah. and anything I can do to contribute to it, yep. from helping someone learn how to taste to ordering good wines when I go out myself. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, this festival, really actually, true.
1: you see, look around the people tonight. This is this is sort of the genesis of the wine culture in B.C. Uh, it's been going for 40 years and it's created a culture of wine yeah. and you Absolutely. have to keep at it and you have to keep putting stuff in front of them and good stuff and and then it works out in the end yeah soon we won't talk about wine we'll just talk about people and have fun when we meet (laughs) over wine yeah that's probably the end of that's the final final jump to the end of the wine culture another
6: two centuries
1: talk yeah. about our kids and our life instead of the the cabernet and the sauvignon but we'll get there
6: yeah well i should say thanks to you too because uh, over the years that i've come to the festival i've been to many of your master classes and information oh. sessions and uh oh, well you're, you're doing kind. your own bit to contribute That's a little bit for yeah. sure thanks so much thank you uh
1: great to talk with you elsa mcdonald we've been tasting the laughingstock 2017 uh, maritage which is available we didn't mention the price uh,
6: 5299
1: 52.99 you can probably order that direct through the winery Absolutely. that's probably the best way or even drop by the winery if you'd like and it's just Please being released do. now yes we're just yeah.
6: switching over from the 16 into the 17 so you might find a little 16 out there but
1: okay great
6: very good thanks uh, for
1: you're asking. listening to the BC food and wine radio network I'm Tony i am
4: Casey Wilson uh,
0: we're live at the Vancouver National Wine Festival and we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry
2: is all about people people crafting products with passion. Save-On-Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1200 labels from more than 160 vineyards, plus there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save-On-Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com/wine. After Isidore Boucherie settled in West Bank, he soon became known far and wide as the Modest Butcher, a man of infinite charm, disarming good looks, and the best food and wine in the valley. And if Izzy was here today, well, what do you think he'd have to say about his legacy, Chef Dan? You can't think well, love well, or sleep well if you haven't dined well. Celebrate the sacred Okanagan institution of dining with reckless abandon at the Modest Butcher, opening soon at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. And now,
0: from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey.
1: British Columbia, and welcome uh, from the 20 van- 2020 Vancouver National Wine Festival. I'm Tony Gizwandi. I'm Casey Wilson. We're live on the floor of the uh, festival floor of the International Tasting Room. We're in the, actually in the uh, French theme section, uh, surrounded by 42 French wineries. So we decided to go with an Italian for this segment, just to scare the French a bit.
4: Exactly. Oh, yes. They're Sounds getting good.
1: a bit big over there. So uh, our next guest is John uh, Batos, and he's here from uh, Mianetto, uh specializing in Prosecco that's right thank you for having me here yeah great to have you uh Prosecco has uh, been on a big 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 rise around the world wh- what is so wh- why is it so uh, popular now do you think
7: Prosecco, I think uh, Prosecco, it's just because it's easy to drink. People want to have a good time and just dragging basically also newer consumer and um, it's just fashionable. It's uh, versatile. I mean, you're talking about Mimosas, Aperol Spritz. It's just easy drinking. People having a good time without having a big occasion to celebrate.
2: Right.
4: At a good price.
7: At
1: a good price. Being reasonable. And they don't want to write notes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You just want to drink it.
7: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That we're standing for in the Veneto.
1: (laughs) That's kind of interesting. Uh, Well, we've been talking to people who are producing champagne, so maybe we can just talk quickly about the difference between a Prosecco and a Champagne. Why is it so different?
7: So, yeah, first of all, if we start with basically the terroirs, so... Champagne made in France, so in the Champagne area, so by the European law, Prosecco has to come from the Veneto, northeast of Italy, mm-hmm. and there is the Prosecco area. Then, of course, the Champagne is a traditional method, so fermentation in a bottle. Prosecco is made in the Charmotte, or tank fermentation. And, of course, the most important thing is the grape at the end of the day, where in the Champagne you're using Chardonnay, Chardonnay. Pinot Meunier, and Pinot Noir, yep. in the Prosecco we're using the grape called
1: Glera. Glera, yeah. Uh, and well and the other thing is the pressure no there's, is there, there's less pressure in because of the Charmette method there's less pressure um, or depends. not depends
7: it's not really yeah. so here we're deciding between uh, Prosecco Spumante which has the uh, same pressure as the champagne okay. and the Frizzante which has less it says than 2.5 yeah so yeah that's a the two different things so it depends if you wanted to have them a little bit more bubbles then you go for a Spumante and less bubbles as a Frizzante yeah
4: and were you so su- surprised by the success of Prosecco I mean it's unbelievable because hardly anybody drank sparkling wine in Canada and then Prosecco came and
7: yeah, I think the big boom was basically um, 2008 with yes. the finance crisis in the US. So, um, of course, champagne has a certain entry price. Yes. So, but uh, of course, with a crisis, people um, looked for an affordable sparkling wine yeah. to celebrate and to drink. And they found, uh, found Prosecco and uh, basically stuck with it. They liked it. And yes, we are happy about that and cannot imagine uh, how much the world demanding is increasing on it.
1: I'm just thinking about the next big crisis is around the corner in the world. Maybe Prosecco will take off again a second time. Oh, then Not, not for better reasons, but uh, same financial things that are happening, it's kind of interesting the way life goes.
7: Yeah, at the moment especially. Um, I think it's also a really good... I mean, it's a double-digit grown um, category. Yeah. So it's not always easy to keep on with the demand. Yeah. No. And so... Oh, yeah, go ahead. sorry,
4: Tony. Is there a Prosecco glass?
7: So if you're asking me, so people are still used a lot to drink sparkling wine from a flute. We in the Veneto suggest to use a white wine glass. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, uh, me personally, I like it because I would say I'm a guy with a certain size of nose. So it's just easier for exactly. me to drink right but also it's uh, you know with, for champagne for example i would recommend a flute because you have a different aromas which strong it's going to nose but it's like a little bit wider you have the floral inside so
1: i think the white wine glass is the right thing mm. uh, we should mention mianetto uh and give us a little bit of background about that by the way we we're speaking with jean Bottos from mianetto uh, the producer of this prosecco that we're tasting. So yeah, Mionetto.
7: We are prosecco producers since 130 years, based in Valdobbiadene,
1: also known as the capital of prosecco. Yeah, and one of the best production areas.
7: Yeah, for sure. And we are proud to be the best-selling prosecco worldwide, and we just became uh, this year in Canada the number three prosecco. And we were really proud that we were able to sponsor the Toronto Raptors on on their parades.
4: Oh, wow. That's amazing.
7: Yeah, it was uh, really a fantastic thing. And we are thankful to our business partners, Mark anthony Wine and Spirits, for that.
4: that. I
1: I like how you just threw that out there. We're we're proud to sponsor the Raptors. Yes. (laughs) like the biggest story in Canada, maybe in the NBA. It was a really big
7: thing for us. And uh, so we are really proud that we could be part of it and that uh, basically that uh, celebrated with us so go ahead
4: poor Tony he never gets a word in no. all but uh, I yeah. just want to ask about brand building how important is it
7: brand building is really important to be honest brand building and also we have the investment behind so it's really important is to have a worldwide same communication so that's why we're choosing also of course the power of colors over orange which is the core um, Orange is for us our signature is our signature um, color and uh, which we spread out always, but also of course like um, doing activation a certain style. We have our four pillars, which is basically based on premium taste, um, style, heritage, and also premium quality, which uh, which stands for. And every four, what we're doing in that has to be matching to this four pillars. As I said, constantly communication to the consumer. And, yeah, what we're we'll saying also, of course, is um, to, we see us as ambassadors to also bring a little bit of Itali- italian and Italian lifestyle in the world. So, not to take always things too serious, like ha- having a good time. time. Yeah.
1: Uh, They've always done a great job with the packaging, the bottle shapes. Uh, We had a number of of, uh, uh, bottle-capped finished wines in the market uh, years ago that were very hip at the time. Nobody was doing that. Uh, There was a blue bottle, as I recall, and in the orange bottle, in the yellow bottle. They were all, it was a pretty pretty exciting time.
7: Yeah, it was a great time. And also, if I'm thinking, we have uh, also one range called M.O. range, uh, which was even at the MoMA in New York, for example.
1: Yeah.
4: That's amazing.
1: At the MoMA, for example. Yeah, I, I guess, know. fantastic. Yeah, it because really is. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's, it's not so easy it's to do that. It's very Italian to so do that design. So, it, but
4: designers, it, or how does that happen? No,
7: that's basically what we're saying. So, one of our pillars is style. So, it should also be linked to Italian lifestyle, which is matching with fashion, but also, of course, arts. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, that has to imagine. So, finding the right designers to cooperate and... Yeah, sometimes also to take a little bit of time and thinking what you're doing and uh, matching it to the brand pillars.
1: Yes. It's a beautiful area. Uh, I don't know, sometimes people, they they think about it as being flat, whatever. It's quite mountainous. It's a a great place to travel and visit in.
7: Yes, it's beautiful. So people, when they think about the vanito they think when they know the vanito, normally they just know Venice. Yes. Or Verona maybe, right? Yeah. But you're you're in Venice. I can only suggest for everybody... Take maybe a day, go 50 kilometers north in the Treviso area, yeah. find a beautiful landscape. There's nothing more beautiful to sitting on a restaurant, looking down to the valley and see all the beautiness of that valley. We're, we're talking yep. here about some totally. mount, mountains, which on the 27 degrees, which is also matching on our uh, label shape. Yeah. Um, to, yeah. To just get the feeling. There you understand Prosecco, how people are really inviting, like to just uh, jus de vivre to be now here with our French friends right Mm -hmm. enjoying life
1: and 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 there's a lot of serious Prosecco now too there's a lot of small little plots that have been uh, they're like crews I guess we could say they are yeah Uh, so they're really there's a whole range now of Prosecco
7: yeah from Talk, uh, talking about brand we also want to show that we are not just a brand so 130 years of, of history so we offer our so of course uh, as always, say our entry level drug so yeah. Battleship it's uh, the orange label but yeah. also here we have for example our DOCG yeah, so thinking about that, we are done in the inner circle of the Prosecco area where basically the better quality is coming from because you have s- steeper hills more sun exposure better minerality I, I call always a a splash of fine of Prosecco with finna yeah. bubbles. And of course, then our um, our masterpiece, I would call it the Cartizza single hill, yeah. single vineyard Prosecco. The Cartizas, yeah.
4: Favorite
1: they thing very
4: to popular. eat with
7: uh, Prosecco? Oh, that's a difficult question. Uh, if you're asking me, Prosecco match basically with everything, but I would say you can have just easy a glass on it, but also light dishes like light chickens, uh, uh, chicken meals, or uh, minestrone. Mushroom. Did
4: but you I'll say minestrone? Yeah. yeah,
7: minestrone, yes.
4: Soup with sparkling wine. Oh, sure. Too. Wow. For sure. Okay. And I
7: would also say chips and popcorn. Yes, salty yeah, Salty popcorn. Perfect.
1: Yeah, salty popcorn. We could go for some of that. Yes, we could. Right now, yeah. Would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Bottos, he's from Mianeto. Uh, you're going to say it better than me. Val de Biadini. Val de Biadini. Val de This region, it, it's the hardest name in the wine business for me to say, and it's the most beautiful name when it's pronounced beauti- uh, you know, properly. And, of course, fantastic region to walk about in. I just love it. Thanks for sharing your wines with us. Thanks uh, for and, having and me. And can we visit uh, Mianeto? Can people go and visit the for winery? Sure. We have
7: a hospitality program, so yeah. please feel free to... G- to go there is a beautiful area. It's kind super. of super. Yeah, thanks Thank so much. Enjoy so Vancouver.
1: Much. Thank you. Uh, we've been speaking with John Bottos from Mionetto Winery in uh, in the Veneto. Really a fantastic uh, part of Italy to discover. There's more than just Tuscany in Italy, folks. There are many other regions that you can move to. Uh, you're listening to the uh, best show on the radio <laughs> about food and wine. Oh,
4: you're so <laughs> modest. <Awesome. isn't>
1: <laughs> because I always mix up the old name. This is the right. BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm exactly. Tony Gismondi. I'm
4: Casey Wilson. And we're live
1: from the floor of the Vancouver International Wine Festival. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right
0: back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods.
3: It's Jesse here from Black Hills Estate Winery, inviting you to join us this winter to experience the best that BC has to offer. Enjoy an educational seated wine flight and sample our flagship red wine, Nota Bene, while taking in the serene vineyard views. Or check out our online store for seasonal specials, new wine releases, and more. We're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit blackhillswinery.com gismondionwine.com BC's destination for finding great wine at all price points.
0: With their easy-to-use search engine of over 30,000 plus tasting notes, you can find the wines you want by price, points, and more.
3: Bookmark GizmondionWine.com for the new notes posted daily, each with a photo of the label.
0: Get new ideas and find great buys with seasonal and weekly top 10 wine lists, original stories, and videos.
3: If wine matters to you, join us at gizmondionwine.com.
0: Follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Giz mondi on wine
3: blow away those winter blues and take a break at tin creek their tasting room is open daily from 10 till 4 for a stress relieving wine escape Join the Crush Club and get VIP treatment, including regular shipments to top up your cellar, early access to new releases, and more. Plus, pick up your 2020 Canadian Concert Series Early Bird Passes online now and get all four concerts for the price of three. And don't forget, the Mirador Restaurant reopens for the season March 1st with a delicious new spring menu. Visit Tinhorn.com.
0: And now, from the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, Anthony Gizmondi, And Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now here's Anthony and Casey.
1: Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm
4: Casey
1: Wilson. Uh, We're live on the floor of the 42nd Vancouver International Wine Festival. Uh, The house is packed. Uh, France is a big draw a lot of people are here so once again we've decided to go over to Germany (laughs) just to break it up a bit uh, and we're really happy to have on the stage Christian Witt from from really one of Germany's most iconic wineries, Schloss Johannesburg. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Uh, great to have you here. Are you having fun in Vancouver?
8: Or? Sure. Yeah? yeah, we'll always have fun in Vancouver. A lot of Riesling fans in this city, uh, I'm sure you've discovered. No, exactly. I mean, having yeah. a good production here in BC, uh, it always helps, you know, people understand Riesling, so yeah. that's always a good thing. Yeah.
1: So is Johannesburg, what is it about six or seven years old now that they've been making wine, or a little bit longer, so yeah.
8: <laughs>
4: centuries.
8: First, first mentioning was 817 by, a- <laughs> wow, 817. Yeah, and we already made six thousand liters at that time. Wow, so. <laughs> that is uh,
1: pretty impressive. Yeah. 817. Uh, that's a lot of people that would know the wine over
8: the years. Yeah, you yeah. just think so. Yes. Yeah. Well, what's the oldest wine at the winery? Uh, that's from 1748. So, we do have a library there with about 20,000 bottles, and again, the oldest vintage is 1748, and uh, all the bottles down there are um, really drinkable wines, and that's why we call it the Bibliotheca Subterranea, the under-earth library,
2: Mm.
8: a library because we think it's like books, like you can read in those wines, you know, how wines was made 50, 100, 150 years ago. Yeah. And so we recork them every 25 to 30 years. So wow! And know do, you, do
4: you vote on when you're going to open a wine? How many people make that decision?
8: No, it's like one or two person who makes that decision, and depends it's on the it's guest. No, th- <laughs> no, that, that's definitely without guests. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's
1: great. Uh, well, I'm an old guy, so I can tell by these bottles maybe where the wine comes from.
8: But why don't you tell our listeners where Schloss Johannesburg is? Well, Schloss Johannesburg is uh, from Germany, uh, from the Rheingau. So if people don't know Germany, they might know Frankfurt Airport, sure. yes. which is almost more, west, uh, more or less in the center of Germany, center west of Germany, um, directly overseeing the Rhine River. Mm-hmm. It's about 45 minutes away from Frankfurt, Frankfurt mm-hmm. Airport. So. Hmm. That's that wonderful to be I
4: that close to Frankfurt for yes. many reasons for you in wine.
8: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I was sort of referencing the bottle, the brown bottle. Is that yeah. still a, Would you say that's still a thing, that's the Rheingau bottle, or has that evolved?
8: Classically, I think it's, it's more uh, the shape of the bottle, the Rheingau flute, how we call it. Yeah. It's a tall bottle, much, much taller than most other bottles. Yeah. Uh, that's always a sign for uh, Rieslings and for wines from the Rhine. And traditionally, really, the bottles uh, from the Rhine and Rheingau was the brown bottle. Yeah. Um, Mosel was green bottle. It had to do with, like, when class was invented, you know, you would dig out the, the earth to make the glass, and it would either get green or brown, and the Rheingau, you had brown. Wow. wow. Of course, nowadays, with marketing getting involved, you yes. know, colors change, but typical classically, is brown for the yeah. Rheingau, and as a classic estate...
4: Yes, so you're not going to go to a clear bottle. No, mm.
1: no way. Uh, what is the state of German wine? You think easy to sell, hard to sell, better than it used to be? I, I don't know. Well, we, uh, we keep saying there's a there's a
8: resurgence or a renaissance, but I'm not sure there is. I think in general, if you look at the whole world, it's uh, uh, it's easier to sell. It's more understanding for mm-hmm. that, um, but it depends really very much on the market. Yeah, uh, and the market changing quite a bit. Um, but it has never been so good German wines on the market than nowadays. Uh, it has to do a little bit with climate change, you know, it's yeah. uh, we're still, you know, yeah. feeling that it's good for us, but yeah. uh, we also see what's coming up. Uh, well, you're thinking about making some red wine, too, I think. Well, and in Rheingau, Ra- actually yeah. in Rheingau it is... Uh, 80% uh, Riesling, yeah. it's 15% Pinot Noir, yeah. and 5% is the rest. So we, w- we do red wines there, but not at Schloss Johannesburg. Yeah, 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 don't do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, our guest is Christian Witt, and we're talking about Schloss Johannesburg. You brought two wines with you. Uh, maybe we'll start with the first wine, which yes. smells fantastic.
8: Which the, the first wine is our Schloss Johannesburg Riesling Rotlack Cabinet Feinhab. A lot of difficult words. Um, by the end, it's an off-dry Riesling, um, it is the lightest wine we have uh, in our, our winery. Uh, it is off-dry, but we've got a great acidity here. Yeah. Uh, and so, the great acidity balances very much the sweetness we have in the wine. The sweetness comes as natural sweetness yes. uh, from the uh, fermentation. So, we stop the fermentation, a little bit of the grape sugar is left. Mm-hmm. This is also why the alcohol is lower. Not all the residual uh, the, uh, sugar is fermented. So, um, beautiful off-dry Riesling. That's a beautiful cabinet, super balanced. And that's a
1: wine that can live 15, 20 years without anything happening to easily. it. Easily. Yeah. yeah.
8: That's what I like so much about it. Do we
4: them. have a price on it? And what would you pair with this wine?
8: Um... The price here in the market uh, is about tonight, uh, forty euros uh, in the in the store here. Um, it's a special offer, so normally it's a little higher, probably a little forty-five. Forty each. dollars, yeah, yeah. Tonight, forty dollars. Um, the pairing is wow. wide range. First of all, I think Riesling is one of the best uh, food food matching wines, wines at all. It has yep. to do. You have a lot of wide range of styles. Yes. Mm-hmm. With this one, especially, I think. Slightly spicy food. I mean, all kind of seafood with like a touch of spice yes, to it. It's that's great. A, that's yeah. a great idea. Light, salty cheeses works well. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, but to be honest, drink it by your own. Yes, yeah. you can do As that. As a starter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, roadlock,
1: uh, yeah. sorry. Rotlock. Yeah, yeah Rotlach. Uh Is the vineyard
8: or the... Uh, no, it's a special it's name. A, yeah. Uh, background is, uh, this is a monopole single vineyard site. So, okay. Schloss Johannesberg, it's its own appellation inside the Rheingau. Mm-hmm. So, we only have one vineyard name. Mm-hmm. But we make ten different wines. Yeah. Why? Because we can. Yeah. So, so it's um, a red one, no? Yeah. So, um, we invented a color code. And yeah. this was uh, Prince Metternich uh, um, who did that. Wow. Um, you said, that you was know, a while ago. Uh, here's our connection to France. We were owned, like, four years by Napoleon. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Everybody was. <laughs> yeah. And after, and after Napoleon Wars, there was the Congress of Vienna. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so Prince Metternich was the state chancellor of Austria. And he organized that congress where Europe was divided new up and did get Schloss Johannesburg by the end as a gift. Mm. He came there. He tasted the wines. There were three different wines. It was just differentiated with a cork branding. One, two, and three on top of the cork. Wow. He liked that, went back, thought about that, and has written a letter back to the administration that you have to change that. What do you think a friend of mine will feel if I offer him the best wine from Germany, but the number three of it? Yeah. So please change that and close the bottle like you would close a document. In those days, you would close documents yeah. with seal wax. Yeah. So yes. So that took oh. three different colors. Yeah. And since 1830, all the wines of schloss has an individual color code, yeah. depending on the quality of the wine. Yeah, fantastic great story great story <laughs> yeah
1: so wine number two is green it's a yeah. it's a Grunlock. it's Grunlock exactly yeah. Yeah. okay yeah but it's not wine number two it's the Grunlock. it's a Grunlock exactly yeah. and
8: that's uh that's one step up on the yep. quality lever. it's our spade laser yeah. yeah what a nose wow and um with the spade laser we have another great story mm. um which was actually a little bit before napoleon time um, Schloss Johannesburg in the middle mm. evil age um, came a little bit, you know, in a bad shape and the Prince Bishop of Fulda bought the estate. Mm. Um, and if you take a look on the label, it really looks like that. So it's that mountain, that single mountain and yeah. there was a monastery in a bad shape. Mm. He teared down the monastery, built this castle as his summer residence. So this is not an imperial castle, just a summer residence yeah. of, of a bishop. And um, uh, of course you want to have, uh, he chooses a very special place and he said, we want to have just the best quality made there. Yep. And so is that hmm, we have to control the people making the wine. So they, they gave the order that every time before the harvest, they have to send a courier with ripe grapes to him. He looked at them, approved them that yep. they're really ripe, Yes. signed the harvest allowance, sent the guy back, and then they would start the harvest. Wow. So they did. In seventeen seventy-five something happened which needs to be happened. The guy, the courier, came back and yeah. he was late. He was delayed. And he was, yeah, this was uh, this is our Johnny B. Lately. Yeah. He was like two to three weeks late. So the grapes they get ripe, overripe, start to rot. Yeah. When he arrived, everything was rotten and they didn't uh. know what to do. He said, Well, uh. let's try to make wine out of rotten grape. Yeah. They did, and the cellar master reported in the spring when the first time tasted the wine. Wow never tasted a wine like that, because it was the first time you tasted a sweet wine. Yeah. What happened is, a uh, Fungus, the noble rod, but try to scenario, infected the grapes um, mm. by accident, of course, uh, and everything in the grape gets concentrated, yeah. and so you can produce sweet wines with that. When the Prince uh, uh, Abbott uh, um, tasted this wine, he said, wow, that's so special. We have to make it uh, to a success, and you know, a success is not the first time you do it, it's the second or third. Yeah. Time In And so we said, by law, you always have to harvest late at Schloss yeah. Johannesburg. Yep. And so since 1775, we're the inventor of the Spätlese, we're still doing it, it's still our signature wine. Yep. Uh, and you can see, although it is a sweet wine, it's got the great balance with the I great acidity. Which,
1: which translates, Spätlese translates as, as late harvest. Yes, here. Spät yeah. means late and yeah. Lese means harvest. Yeah. Fantastic, great stories. That wine is sensational, though. Oh, the it tangerines is. and all the stuff going on in there, but it's so elegant, eh? you, it, At the end, it's very ethereal. It just, it just sort of wafts in. Uh, it's just fantastic. It's a real experience.
8: It is and, and while you were talking about uh, uh, food pairing, yeah. um, unfortunately we have forgotten a little bit how to pair sweet wines with yes. food. Yeah. But this wine would be a perfect match with very salty cheese, hot cheese. Yeah. Um yes. with uh, with stilton, with lighter blue cheese, mm-hmm. but also with very spicy cuisine. Yeah. So yeah, Cajun I'm cuisine, you know, or really hot spicy Asian cuisine. Yeah, even curry it works great, yeah. yeah Curries, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. 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 Fantastic. Christian, uh, so this was fantastic. I Thank can't you very say much. much. Thanks for bringing two great wines. I hope you have fun the next two nights in the room. You, you'll be very busy over there. For sure. And uh, maybe you'll get some time to enjoy Vancouver. Yeah, uh, I will have, we, definitely. We have some spicy food in Vancouver. Yeah, We do. We have yeah. some
4: very good Indo-Canadian food.
1: Great. Thanks so much. Thank uh, you very much for having me. Christian Witt from Schloss Johannesburg, really one of the most iconic wineries in the world. Uh, if you haven't visited it, you should put it on your bucket list. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we're coming to you live from the floor of the Vancouver International Wine Festival. It's year 42. France is the theme, but there's 167 wineries in the room, 46
0: French, I believe. So there's lots to do, lots to see, and plenty to taste. BC Food and Wine Radio's meeting place for the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival is the Westin Bayshore Vancouver. Visit them at westinbayshore.com.